Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Bible's high tonight. It's going to be good for you. It's always good for you. Even if you don't think you need it, it's good for you. Amen. Amen. Lift your Bible sound. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Shout it out. I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing, if you would, one scripture tonight, Proverbs 4 and 7. Proverbs 4 and 7. We welcome those watching live at all of our campuses tonight. We're glad you're in the worship experience with us on tonight. I never understood when, when church folk would say, on tonight. Or they say on today. I just never understood it, and now I find myself saying it <laughs> on tonight. Amen. Proverbs four seven. You got it. One scripture. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, what? Get it. But that's not the part I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about this part. And with all thy getting means everything you get. Make sure you get an understanding. Now look at your neighbor next to you and say, what I need from you, need from you is understanding. Is understanding. <laughs> but I'm not talking about understanding your neighbor tonight. I'm talking about understanding the rights and privileges that come with being a believer in Jesus Christ. Because watch this, what you don't understand can be stolen from you. And that's why we got a lot of saints walking around that know a lot, but they don't understand a lot, so a lot gets stolen from them. So, Father, tonight, this is our last day of not being a 100% understanding of the rights and privileges that belong to us as believers in Jesus Christ. The psalmist said, remember the Lord and forget not his benefits. We don't serve you because of the benefits, but we certainly want to have an understanding of the benefits so that we can access them in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. High five somebody to take your seats and say the believer's bill of rights. The believer's bill of rights. You see it tonight. Uh, I, I want to say this. The, the bill of rights, you're familiar with that term uh, in the United States of America. It is a collective name. Uh, for the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution. It's a collective name uh, for the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution. More specifically, it is a series of limitations on the power of the United States federal government protecting the natural rights of liberty, property, uh, uh, including freedom of religion, freedom of speech, free press, free assembly, free association, as well as the right to keep and bear arms. Now, before some of you uh, get uh, sidetracked and all, somebody said yes to the bearing arms. My God. But before you get sidetracked, I, I, I'm not being political, but, but I want you to understand something. Because you're a citizen of the United States, there are certain rights that you get the ability to enjoy. Uh, so much so that even though you didn't fight to secure those rights because you were born in the right place at the right time, you get to benefit from the... Um, no. So even though it didn't cost you anything on Calvary to secure those rights, 
because you've been born again at the right place and at the right time, you get the ability to enjoy those rights. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, uh, look at this. Uh, these rights of free press and liberty and property, et cetera, et cetera, uh, these are only granted to citizens. Now, I want you to flip to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Only granted to citizens of the United States. If you're not a citizen of the United States, these rights are just words on a piece of paper. And unfortunately for many believers, the rights we have in, in the word of God are just words on a piece of paper. Because we, we don't have a good understanding. But thank God we're going to get one tonight. Alright, now Hebrews 10, you got it? Look at verse 35. Now, now watch this. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Uh, for you have need of endurance. Watch this. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, now check this out. Here's what happens for, for, for some folk. Is, is, is we, we, do, we don't look at the last part of the verse. The verse says, don't cast away your confidence, uh, which has great reward. Uh, for you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Here's what happens for a lot of folk. They don't do the will of God, but they want the promise. Got it? Now, somebody says, well, Bishop, what is the will of God? Well, the will of God is very simple. It is the word of God. This is his last will and testament to you and I. So what he wrote here is, in fact, his will for you and I, uh, for you and uh, for you, me and your rights. <laughs> Got tongue twisted there. <laughs> for us is rights, okay? <laughs> now, now, now look at this. Look at this. Uh, these rights are granted to believers. Now, okay. Now, we find these rights in the word of God. The word of God is the will of God. Got it? So now after we've done the word, we can expect to receive the promise from doing the word. Okay? Got it. So, so what happens is when we talk about a, a, a believer's bill of rights, Bishop, what does that really refer to? It's one word. It's called covenant. Covenant. We get something better than, than, than a bill of rights if you really want the truth. We get a covenant. A covenant. Say Covenant. Now, remember, we access the covenant after we've done the what? The will of God. The will of God is the word of God. Okay? But if we don't have an understanding of the word of God, which is the will of God, we'll never ever see the promise. Because you can't do what you don't understand. And if you do do it, you do it without understanding, so you won't see the fruit of it. You see what I'm saying? That's why Jesus says when you give, don't do it, uh, don't, don't, or when you do charitable deeds, I believe, Matthew 6, he says, don't do it so everybody around you can see you and you can get credit and stuff. He said, because if you do it for that, then you have your reward. Which means somebody could be doing that and saying, God, hey, where's my harvest? And God is saying, hey, my word already told you where your harvest is. But if there's no understanding of that, we'll be looking for something that's not on its way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, say covenant. All right, now listen to this. Uh, a covenant, <coughs> its technical definition, is a solemn agreement to engage in or refrain from a specified action. It's commonly found uh, in religious contexts where it refers to sacred ag agreements between God and human beings. Let me give you the layman version. It's God's promise to you and me. Okay, so we can, we can, we can get through the technical version. It's God's promise to you and me. That's the covenant. It's his promise. Now, it's one thing when we make a promise to God. It's a whole other thing when God makes a promise to us. No, 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 I don't think you understand what I just said there. It's one thing when you say, Lord, if you do this for me, I'll never do this again. Anybody ever been there where you make these agreements with God and you say, God, if you get me out of this, Lord, I promise you, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And sometimes, how many people, let's be honest, sometimes you didn't even keep your end of the bargain. Some of you didn't even forget what you bargained about. And so by the time it happened, you're like, Lord, I know I told you I was going to do something. I just don't know what I told you I was going to do. A covenant, though, is when God says, in the context we're talking, it's when God makes an agreement with you and I and says, now listen, if you'll do ABC, I'm going to do ABC. What's the ABC on our end? His will. Or his word. What's the ABC on his end? The promise. You got it? 
Okay, so what we're going to do is not have you talking anymore about I'm waiting on my promise, my promise, my promise, my promise. No, you're going to be able to see the manifestation of your promise because you will have met the conditions of the covenant. You getting what I'm saying? All right, now let's look at this. Uh, there are seven major covenants of the Bible, seven major covenants of the scriptures. The first is the Edenic, E-D-E-N-I-C, covenant of Eden. What's, what is Eden? The word Eden means land of voluptuous living. My God, Adam and Eve had an awesome, awesome first covenant. The, the, uh, the, the garden was planted there in Eden, <clears throat> and Eden literally meant voluptuous living. It meant that they had, now, just think about the word voluptuous. You know, you know, voluptuous just means good. I mean, you know, wonderful. Thank you. Okay, so they had a good, wonderful, thank you covenant with God. It was so awesome that the Bible says a river came in and broke into river heads and that it would go through and it brought the nutrients and the minerals and gold and silver and all of these things to Adam. Adam never had to worry about money because the river brought it to him. That's voluptuous living. Now, I don't think you understand. Just imagine waking up in the morning. You didn't have to go nowhere, walking out to the mailbox, and a river brought something and put it in there. You're not hearing what I'm saying. That's voluptuous living. The Bible, it says it didn't need to rain. That's why even when we got to the time of Noah, rain was somewhat uh, 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 ambiguous because it was a mist that uh, came up in the garden and came up in the land of Eden. It did not need to rain, so it kept a nice moist environment so that the plant life would be able to grow more efficiently. Some of you green thumbs know if you have a nice moist environment, your plants are going to do better. Amen. Got it? Voluptuous living. That's the covenant of Eden. He says, listen, Adam, just do what I say. Don't mess with them trees over yonder. Just do what I say, and you have voluptuous living. Voluptuous living. Not only do you get to name a zebra, but you get to tell a zebra what it gets to do. Isn't that something? The name you call the giraffe today is what he called them 5,768 some odd years ago. 5,770 years ago. You still call them what Adam called them all that time ago. That's voluptuous living. Now, second covenant, second covenant in scripture is the Adamic covenant, A-D-A-M-I-C. Now, this is obviously where we enter into the situation with Adam. I'm going to move through these next ones very quickly because I've told on them before. The next is the Noadic covenant. The Noadic covenant is interesting because it's the first covenant where God doesn't just make it with man, but he also makes it with animals. Believe it or not, God has a covenant with living creatures. The uh, fourth is the Abrahamic covenant. This is the covenant we find its origination in Genesis chapter 12. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. I will make your name great. You will be blessed to be a blessing. That is the covenant that we as believers partake in, the renewed covenant. We'll talk about that. Next is the Mosaic Covenant, Mosaic Covenant, M-O-S-A-I-C, Mosaic Covenant. This was the covenant God made uh, through Moses in the form of what the scripture calls the Torah, or the first five books of the scripture. The next is the Davidic Covenant. You can figure that one out, David, I see. Got it? The Davidic covenant was God's covenant with David saying that someone from David's bloodline was always going to rule and to be king of Israel. Co not coincidentally, Jesus came through the bloodline of David and he is the king of Israel. Got it? And then the next is uh, the renewed covenant. The renewed covenant. Some people just cut off the re and the ed and call it the new covenant. It's the renewed covenant. Now, flip to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. That's our covenant. Say that. That's our covenant. Now, our covenant is tied to the Abrahamic covenant. Because th those two are all about faith. Faith is a good thing. All right? Hebrews chapter 8. Got it? Now, look at verse number 8. <clears throat> because finding fault with them, he says, behold... The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. So what covenant is he talking about right there? The Mosaic covenant. 
How do you know that, Bishop? They're coming out of Egypt. Who led them out of Egypt? Moses. Because they did not continue in my covenant and disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is uh, the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. Now, that doesn't literally mean that there shouldn't be teaching because that directly contradicts what Jesus said. What he's saying is, is you'd have the opportunity to know God for yourself. For all shall know me, for the least of them to the greatest of them. Verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. What's the first here he referring to? The Mosaic covenant. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So here's the first part to the believer's bill of rights. You ready? The first part, the first the first, there's 10 uh, uh, in the uh, American Bill of Rights, so I'm going to give you 10 tonight. The first is personal relationship. You get to talk to God yourself. That's awesome. The fact that the God that made the galaxies and the universe and everything that is seen and everything that is unseen and the planets and so on and so forth, the fact that that God wants to have a conversation with you ought to make you just go wild. The fact that the God that forms the oceans and the land and everything that is created was created by him, for him, through him. That God wants to have a personal interaction with you. He wants to know what makes you tick. He wants to know what makes you angry. He wants to know what makes you sad. He wants personal relationship with you. That's the first part to believers Bill of Rights. Got it? He, he wants personal relationship with you. But now in that text, we also find the, the second part to our Bill of Rights. So not only do I have personal relationship, which means I can talk to God. God can talk with me. That's good. That's good. But the second thing is that he forgives and forgets my sins. He forgives and forgets all your sins. Now, here's why that's awesome. It's one thing to forgive. Now, let me be clear. He forgives and forgets. You forgive and remember. No, 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 Bishop, what am I remembering? Not, not, not the pain, but the lesson. Because saints, get me, Christians will sometimes, well, Bishop, you're just supposed to forgive and forget. It does not say that anywhere in here. Not for us. He forgives and forgets. You know why you keep getting with the same folk? Because you forgive and forget. You forgot the lesson. So you went right back to another somebody that was just like the last somebody because you forgave and forgot. No, he forgives and forgets, not us. We forgives and remember. Not the pain, but the lesson. Not the pain. Okay? Now, now watch this. God says, I forgive you, and I choose not to remember anything bad about you. Which means the only way God knows anything bad about you is you open your mouth and start blabbing about it. Because he says, I will choose no longer to remember their sins and unrighteous deeds. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you as an ex this, as an ex that, as a this or that. No, he looks at you and says, behold, this is my son and whom I am well pleased. When he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus all over you. He doesn't see that divorce. He doesn't see that abortion. He doesn't see that issue. He looks at you and says, that's my righteousness. Now, people will see what you used to be, and they'll remind you, but you got to learn how to tell people, either you can go with me or you can... Come on, I need to be nice tonight. You say amen, you know what I'm... Anybody that wants to bring up your yesterday, that much shouldn't be in your tomorrow. You gotta learn how to tell people. No, I may have done that. I did that. Sure did. Did that. Mm -hmm. Did that. Did that. Ooh, I did that too. Did that. Did that. Did that. I may have done everything you said I did, but I am not who you say I am. 
here's what it means to forget your sins. If you've ever been in a, uh, in a, in a legal matter, they have a term called uh, dismissal with prejudice. Dismissal with prejudice. Uh, it, it is somewhat uh, confusing when you look at the term because you think they're dismissing it and having a prejudice against you. Quite the contrary. The court is dismissing it and saying the person that brought these charges against you can never ever again bring these charges before this court. Revelation 12 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He is the celestial prosecutor standing in the court of a holy God bringing charges against you. But Jesus makes the decision and says, listen, not only do I forgive them, but I dismiss these charges with prejudice, which means Satan, you can never come talk to me about these things again. Satan can never go in front of God and bring up your stuff ever again. God dismisses him with prejudice. That's part of the believer's bill of rights. You still here? Now, now flip to Leviticus 26.9. Leviticus 26.9. Come on, we on three. Getting ready to be on, getting ready to be on three. Leviticus 26.9. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> he says, I don't ever want to hear these charges again. Don't you ever come up here talking about this again. <laughs> Leviticus 26.9, you got it? For I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. The third, the third part to the believer's bill of rights is favor wherever you are. Favor wherever you are. Now why do we get these rights? Because we're believers. I didn't have to fight to earn them because I'm a believer. It comes with being a citizen of the country. Now what do you mean Bishop favor wherever I am? Here's what it works. Is that there may not be, watch this, something fruitful in the land you're in. But because there's favor on you, even if you are in an unfruitful land, it's going to produce things for you. Let me make it a little bit more pragmatic for your neighbor. Uh, they may be laying people off around you. But because there's favor on you, you find yourself constantly doing this. Have you ever noticed how things always work out a little bit better for you than they do for other people? Have you ever noticed that? And have you ever wondered what that is? That's called favor. And I'm here to tell you, favor ain't fair. That's only unfair to those that aren't believers. Because if you're a believer, you can be favored too. You don't hate me because of my favor. Why don't we both have some favor together? Favor wherever you are. Things will always work out better for you than they do for the average person because you are a believer. Now, watch this. You may say, but Bishop, it was a horrible situation. But do you notice how it wasn't as worse as it could have been? But Bishop, I did lose my job, but did you notice how you weren't hungry that whole time? Did you notice how all your bills somehow were able to get paid? Did you notice how... That's called favor, and it comes being a believer but now here we also find we also find the fourth part to the bill of rights he's looking for ways to confirm his covenant with you he's looking for ways to confirm his covenant with you <laughs> look at i love the verse it says for i will look on you favorably and make you fruitful multiply you and confirm my covenant with you in essence, God is saying, in the morning, when you get up, now remember, this is the day I made for you. I'm looking for ways to bless you today. You, you, you missed it. Let me talk this side, because maybe they get it. God says, I'm looking for ways to show my covenant with you. Whatever campus she at, maybe okay, maybe y'all talk over here. God says, I'm looking. Watch this. He's not looking 
to find ways to mess you up, to knock you out, to get you. He says, I'm looking for ways to confirm my covenant with you. I'm looking for ways to show you just how important you are to me. Now that's good because there's folk that will woke up, wake up with intentions to find something wrong with you. Can, can I make it real pragmatic for you? Uh, uh, this is going to be real pragmatic. Really pragmatic. Collectors, when they go to work, they are looking for ways to collect from you. They're spending their whole day looking for you. They should have put some collectors to find Bin Laden and we would have got him back in one. Now, first, I'll make him very pragmatic, very pragmatic, very pragmatic. Nothing to be, don't even get ashamed. There's nothing to be, I'm just trying to get you to see it. Their intention is to get something from you. God says, from the moment you wake up to the moment you lay down, I'm looking for ways to get something to you so that I can confirm my covenant with you. So the moment you feel like I've left you and I'm no longer there, I'm looking for a way to show you, baby, I'm right here. I've been here the whole time. Do you understand? Okay, good. Now, 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 go to Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. These are believers' bill of rights. These are... These are our bill of rights. We get this because we're believers. Because <laughs> we're believers. Any believers in the house tonight? And if you're not a believer, that's all right. Before this worship experience is over, you're going to be one. And then this will apply. Deuteronomy 8 and 18, got it? Here it is. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Look at it. That he may establish, as you say it, Let's start the verse over again, because your neighbor's not reading with us. 8 and 18, let's read it together. Everybody, every campus. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you. Stop. For it is he who gives. Say your name. Look at the book. To get wealth. And then he tells you why. This is your Bible. It was in here before you got here. That he can establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. God says, here's the fifth bill of right. Here's the fifth. Here's the fifth amendment. Here it is. It's the power to obtain wealth. Now, now, now I want you to see this. I want you to see this because here's what wealth means. A lot of people hear wealth and they think money, 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 money. No, 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 no. Wealth is so much bigger than that. Let me, let me show you what wealth is. Let me show you what wealth is. Here's the definition. Wealth is the abundance. Watch this. It's his definition of valuable resources, Amen. material possessions, or the control of such assets. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Wealth is the abundance of valuable resources, material possessions, or the control of such assets. So part of wealth is money. Let's just go ahead and just go ahead and pop the bubble. There it is. Part of wealth is money. But wealth is greater than money. Because he says, uh, the definition says, valuable resources. There's a resource called joy that you can only get when you're connected to the king. I'm not talking about happiness because happiness is like this. Joy is like no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, I got a wealth of valuable resources. There's another resource called peace. Anybody know about peace? He says, I'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. There's another resource we already learned about it called favor. And favor is actually better than money because while you may have the money to pay for it, favor paid for it for me. Wealth is so much bigger than money. It includes it. it. includes it. God wants you to have some. Why? So you can be the blessing. Okay? But it's so much more than that. So much more than that. It's valuable resources or the control of such assets. That's why the scripture says the wealth of the wicked is being laid up for the just. Now, that suggests to me 
that at some point we will gain control of the assets. I don't have time. 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 So the fifth, fifth part to the Bill of Rights is the power to obtain wealth. It's God that's going to give you creative business ideas. It's God that's going to give you inventions. It's God that's going to give you the right information to get the right job. It's God that's going to do that. He gives you the power to do that. Are you hear what I'm saying? Don't think it's about who you know and it's about your knowledge and you got degrees more than a thermometer, et cetera, et cetera. No, this book says it's he that gives you the power to obtain wealth. Valuable resources, material possessions, or the control of such assets. You got it? Flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're halfway home. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You getting something? Here we go, 2 Corinthians 8. Now, I like this next one. Woo, I like this next one. Now, I want to recap before we read this one. Why do we get these uh, 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 rights? Because we're believers. Okay, that's why we get this. Now, remember, if you don't have an understanding of this, it can be stolen from you, taken from you. You can be swindled out of it. You can be manipulated out of it. You can be taught that God doesn't want you to be in this and to have this. But you got to understand that only the enemy would tell you something contrary to what God promises you. So when you look at your life, you know, I guess this is just as good as it's going to go. You better rebuke that voice and say, shut up. I got a bill of rights. All right. Here's the next one. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. You got it? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Now you read the rest of the verse. That you. Okay, obviously you can't read. So I'm going to read it for you. <laughs> for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor. That you, through his poverty might become rich. Now, watch it. Might. Which means the life you're living is a result of what you choose to believe and what you choose to act on. Don't blame your life on anybody else. Because the book says that through his poverty, we might choice become rich. Now again, rich here is a wholeness word, just like wealth. Not just money. Got it? What's the sixth part to the Bill of Rights? Equal access regardless of pedigree. Equal access regardless of pedigree. Bishop, what does that mean? Pedigree means your past, where you come from, your history. The scripture says that he became not just I love it because uh, New King James says, through his poverty. Poverty is more than money. Poverty is an inability to help yourself better yourself. He says, I became your inability to help yourself, change yourself, so that you could choose to be rich. And remember, that's a wholeness word. Okay, what good is money if, if, if don't nobody like you? What good is money if everybody like you? See, Jesus said something wrong on both ends. If don't nobody like you, something wrong. If everybody like you, something wrong. If you're not offending nobody, you may not be walking in the will of God. Now, check this out. Look at this. Equal access. So it doesn't matter where you come from, what neighborhood you grew up in, who wasn't around in your life when you were growing up? How much you didn't go to school or how much you did this or how much you... None of your pedigree matters. Part of our Bill of Rights says that he became our inability so that we could become ability. He became our insufficiency so that we would have more than enough. You're not hearing what I'm saying. He became our lack so that we would be able to have plenty. He became, I got to choose it though. Got to choose it. Got to choose it. Okay, now let's move to the next. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we're going to read a lot of verses right here in Ephesians 2. Matter of fact, we're going to take turns. I'll read one. Y'all read one. <laughs> Equal access. That's number six, regardless of your past. Stop letting your past get in your mind. Oh, but I made so many mistakes. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Everybody's a living, breathing, walking miracle. <laughs> Who hasn't? Regardless of your past, he became all of that. He exchanged your past so he could give you a new future. That's part of the Bill of Rights. You get that being a believer. Now, look at this. Ephesians 2, you got it? Now, I'm going to read one. We're going to alternate until we get on the way down to uh, 16. All right? Okay, now I want y'all to say it real good, like a, you know, strong. Every campus, everywhere. Come on, let's hear it. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Not of works, lest anybody should boast. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, what does that mean? Non-Jews, that's us, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, talking about Jews, made in the flesh by hands. But now... <laughs> but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity or hatred that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. What is he talking about? The Torah. So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. The seventh part to the believer's bill of rights, we just read it, is mercy. Mercy is protection from what you do deserve. See, there's some stuff that mercy came in and blocked because there was some stuff you got off into and some situations you got off involved with that you deserve to be messed up, jacked up, strung out, hung out, whatever. But mercy stepped in and protected you. Mercy stepped in and blocked you. See, you may sit up here and think you've been good all your life, but the truth be told, everybody's got some stuff that should have killed you. You ought to be in a crack house right now. You ought to be in a hospital bed right now but mercy blocked it mercy is protection from what I do deserve cause there's some stuff that truth be told you deserve mercy steps in and says uh uh give me a little time let me work with him a little bit 
Let, let, let me let, let me get them right. They were out of their mind. They had a Looney Tunes moment for just a moment. Let me let me get them back. Let me get their mind right. Just, you know what Jesus literally does? You know what mercy is? Mercy, mercy, mercy is this. Mercy is when you come before God. Mercy is Jesus saying, uh, we plead insanity. <laughs> they had a temporary moment of insanity. But come on, can we be honest? But there's been some moments where we've just been out of our minds. Some of the relationships we chose and some of the things we did. And there have been some moments you've been out of your mind. What Jesus did is say, we plead temporary insanity. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Give them some mercy. That comes with being a believer. But the eighth thing, the eighth thing, I love this one. We've just read it. Is sitting above our circumstances. Sitting above our circumstances. He said, and we read it, that he's made us to sit with him where? In heavenly places. Now, understand this. Uh, this is what he said, I'm going to teleport. Not at all. You sitting right there in your seat, at whatever campus you're at, wherever you're at, you sitting right there, right now, right now, you are seated with Christ in heaven. <laughs> Need you to get it. Right now, you sitting here physically, he has made us to sit with him in heavenly places. Now, Bishop, why is it important to know that? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, thank God. I'm sitting in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. What is that? Because what's beneath heaven? Problems. You want to know what doesn't exist in heaven? Problems. Bishop, how do you know? Because the first time somebody tried to start one, he kicked them out. You're not hearing what I'm saying. There's no problems going on in heaven. There's no lack going on in heaven. There's no sickness going on in heaven. There's no disease going on in heaven. Well, where are you sitting? You're sitting with him in heavenly places above problems. Part of being a believer means I'm sitting above my circumstances. Which means the reason I'm not stressed out about them is because I'm looking at them. And I can see that they're getting ready to end. Whenever they go out to do a survey of a hurricane, they have to get high enough above the hurricane so that they can see that while this thing may be tumultuous, there's a middle, but there's also an end. I'm here to tell somebody, you better learn to sit where you're sitting. You better learn that God has sat you above your circumstances, above your issues, above your problems. No, I'm not stressed out about it because I can see the end of this thing. No, I'm not worried about it because I can see this thing is beneath me. Somebody comes to you and wants to gossip. You say, that's beneath me. You think you're all that. I know where I'm sitting. I know where I'm sitting. Uh -huh, that's, that's what I know. I know where I'm sitting. That's beneath me. Somebody comes and wants to start some mess. No, that's beneath me. Because I know where I'm sitting. The ninth part to the Bill of Rights. We read it. It's grace. It's grace. Now, grace and mercy are different. Mercy is protection for what you do deserve. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. <laughs> we don't deserve that favor. We, we, we don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his all that in our flesh. But see, he makes us his righteousness, which means he's given us grace, which means don't feel bad for doing good. Don't feel bad for having Truth be told, your neighbors, sometimes they may feel bad about doing for themselves. And some people say, no, Bishop, that's not my testimony. I don't struggle with that. Matter of fact, somebody give me something now, Bishop. I, go, I will. <laughs> but truth be told, many folks sometimes struggle because there will be a feeling, whether they speak it consciously or subconsciously, that somehow... Enjoying life is wrong. 
Because they'll say, well, I don't feel like I deserve this. You in your flesh don't. But it's never been about you and what you deserve. It's been about what he did on Calvary that makes me a deserving recipient. Stop feeling bad for being happy. Stop feeling bad for doing well. That's grace. He's giving you what you don't deserve. That's grace. Stop, stop, stop feeling bad. Thinking to yourself, oh, there's starving kids in India. Thank God you're not one of them. That's grace. But there's people hurting all around. Thank God you're not one of them. That's grace. The tenth and last part to the Believer's Bill of Rights. Tenth and last part. We read it in the text in Ephesians. It's peace. Peace. Now watch this. Peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. S-H-A-L-O-M. Now a lot of times people will say shalom or they'll say peace to one another and they don't quite understand what they're saying. They'll say, you know, peace to you, my brother. Shalom. They don't understand what they're saying. Here's what shalom means. Nothing's missing. Nothing is broken. Nothing is lacking. All is well. So when the scripture says he gives us peace, what he's saying is nothing is missing in your life. Now watch this. You may not have it, but it's not missing. You may not have what you thought you needed, but you ain't missing it. Anybody ever thought you needed somebody until you didn't have somebody to only figure out it wasn't missing the whole time? Anybody ever? May not have it, but it ain't missing. I'm fine. I'm okay. Oh, I know you lost your house. It ain't missing. I'm fine. Oh, I know you lost your car. It ain't missing. I'm fine. Because I have the shalom of God. Nothing is missing and nothing is lacking. All is well. So when you say shalom, that's how you should greet everybody you talk to. Now, hey, what you doing? No. Hey, ain't got no spiritual value in it. Hey, look here. Look here, ain't got no spiritual value in it. Shalom. Which means I prophesy to you. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. Nothing's lacking. All is well. I have shalom with him. Nothing's missing between he and I. Nothing's missing between you and him. Nothing's lacking between you and he. All is well. Nothing's broken. But not only do you have shalom with him, you have shalom with yourself. I'm not looking for something I have. Nothing's missing in me. I got what I need. Nothing's broken in me. He's made me well. Nothing's lacking in God. I wish somebody heard what I'm saying. Nothing's missing in you. Stop letting people convince you something's missing. Nothing's missing. Nothing's lacking. Nothing's broken. But not only do I have shalom with myself, with yourself, I have shalom with people. Which means nothing's missing. The people that I need in my life are there. The ones that are not, are not. I need to say that again to somebody. Because somebody's sitting up here tripping over somebody that ain't around no more. You have shalom with people. Nobody's missing. They may not be there. That seat may be empty. But nobody's missing. The folk that need to be there, God has them. And the ones he needed to get out, doggone it, he got them out of that. Stop trying to chase what God put out your house. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. I refuse to let there be 
disunity between me and another, which means when I sense disunity, I don't sit there and say, well, I'm just going to, no, I go to him and say, hey, I feel there's some disunity here. We got to get it together. T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R. We got to get it together because I got to have shalom around me. I can't have disunity around me. I can't have discord around me. I can't have this lack of peace around me. Nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lacking. All is well. So everything around me concerning folk, folk is uh, people, is well. I'm fine. You could. Why? Because that's the believer's bill of rights. Stand on your feet tonight. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.